Welcome everybody to the Fantasy Hockey Hacks, a proud member of the Heavy Hockey Network and a recent friend of Edmonton Sports Talk. Uh, I'm Devin Davidson, your host. With me as always, Bruce Gunther. Good evening. John Enns. Hello, hello. And Tyler Holman joining us just in the nick of time. Hey buddy, how you doing? I've been here the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Right on cue, as per always, and I know you read the notes, so I'm happy to have you. Surprise, I actually did. That, that, yes, that does surprise me. Uh, we are we are very excited to be here. This is a big deal for us. Um, our first live show on Edmonton Sports Talk. We just want to give a quick shout out to, to Dusty, Matt, and the team over at EST for allowing us to, to be on the airwaves here and, and just be a small part of the sports media landscape in Edmonton. We're really excited for it. Um, also, thank you to Michael Dash and the team over at Heavy Hockey. Uh, we've said it before, but we wouldn't be here without them, so thank you very much. Joining us tonight for this special episode... Big headliner. We brought in a ringer. Uh, Jason Chen, the hockey news fantasy writer, editor, and site manager. Also the co-host of a new podcast, Sleepers and Keepers, um, with Michael Amato from Sportsnet and GoaliePost.com. So Jason, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Proud to uh, take part in this maiden voyage with you guys. (laughs) That's fantastic. Hopefully the ship doesn't sink. Um, (laughs) That's high expectation. Well, if you get as big as the Titanic, that's kind of a good thing. That's kind of a good thing in some, yeah, in some sense, I suppose. Um, You know, we're going to do something a little bit different. So our our typical format, if you followed us on our podcast, Fantasy Hockey Hacks, uh, typically what we do, our our specialty or our focus is on season-long fantasy hockey. Um, redraft leagues for the most part. That's kind of just been our bread and butter, what we talk about mostly. Uh, current events, what's been exciting, and, and you know, waiver wire targets, schedule notes, things like that. This is going to be a little bit different. So the format of this show is going to be kind of a, a hangout or a roundtable format. We're going to bring in a special guest every week. So of course, Jason is here with us tonight for that purpose. Uh, and then we've got a regular roster for this season. I'm really excited about it. So along with Jason, we're going to have Victor Nuno from EP Rinkside and Elite Prospects. Uh, Blake Creamer and Nate Groot Nibblink from Apples and Genos, Flip Livingstone from Locked On Fantasy Hockey and Dauber Hockey, and Ian Gooding, who is the uh, editing manager over at Dauber Hockey as well. So all those guys are going to join us on a regular rotation on this show every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Also, before I forget, if you want to interact with us live, uh, make sure you go to youtube.ca slash heavyhockey. We'll be streaming there as well as on uh, edmontonsportstalk.com. So with that, for tonight, we are going to talk about Jason's new show, Sleepers and Keepers. It just so happened that this week they did a 2023 Pacific Division preview, which I'm excited to get through uh, with uh, Jason and the rest of the crew here. We can't be on Edmonton Sports Talk and not talk about the Edmonton Oilers, so we're going to dive into them a little bit. Uh, We're going to get into some general draft strategy and player discussion to try and get all of our listeners ready for the upcoming fantasy season top five at each position. And then we're going to, if we have time, get into finding value in the draft. So uh, players who could potentially be value and are currently going undrafted in standard 12 team leagues. Um, Oh, look at that. we got our first question here. So Jason, I'll throw this to you before we dive into it. Is Kempe still a sleeper? LOL. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. Just because he doesn't have the name recognition in LA. Um, But this guy's great in banger leagues, goals and hits, right? So Top line assignment, he's going to have three good centers to play with. Probably not Deneau, but Kopitar and Dubois, depending on who he lines up with. I like the Kings this year. The only thing that scares me is the goaltending, but Kempe is not a goalie. So I think you're fine there. Okay. Uh, That's probably a good segue into our first segment here. Obviously, we want to talk about sleepers and keepers. So uh, maybe tell us a bit about the show first, and then we'll dive into the LA Kings after that. Yeah, so uh, sleepers and keepers is a new 
podcast news show for the Hockey News. Uh, features myself and Michael Amato, which some of you are familiar with. He writes for Sportsnet, uh, handles Goalie Post. Uh, new episodes drop every Monday. Uh, right now, we're just working through the divisional previews. So next Monday will be our central division preview. And over the season, we'll just take questions, uh, go over some news, uh, take mailbag, and hopefully provide a lot of good fantasy advice. <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> Knowing both of you, it's going to be good content. No question. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, speaking of mailbag, we do have a few mailbag questions as well that we'll get to uh, a little bit later here. But let's jump into the Los Angeles Kings. This is one thing, listening to your first episode of Sleepers and Keepers, I know you guys talked about the goaltending situation there in L.A. Um, I kind of viewed this, and Tyler, maybe you can talk about it too, but I kind of viewed this as Cam Talbotson at least a start, uh, given that him and Todd McClellan had a pretty solid relationship in their time in Edmonton, and they may try and rekindle some of that magic from 2016-2017 when Cam Talbot had a 239 goals against average and a 919 save percentage. now, so keeping in mind, you got Phoenix Copley there as well. But Tyler, I'll go to you first. Do you like Cam Talbot there in LA, or at his age, is it a bit of a stretch? I like him there. I still think it is a bit of a stretch. I think they're hoping a lot to to kind of bring back what they had before. But he's still a better option than Phoenix Copley, so you kind of have to go with it. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of what you're left with. So, well, and I mean, the Kings are a good shot suppression team, good defense. I mean. Even with Sean Jersey gone, they can still, like the type of game they play, um, they should be effective. But Jason, what do you think? So Cam Talbot or Phoenix Copley? Obviously, Copley had a 24-6-2 record. Uh, pretty pretty impressive stuff there. Some of his peripherals weren't as great, but what do you think? Yeah, I'm not on the Copley wagon. I think he kind of caught lightning in a bottle last year. To ask him to do it again is a bit of a stretch. This is a guy who was basically the Caps backup, but couldn't really do it there. Um, didn't even start the season the Kings. I do think your projection of 35 wins for Cam Talbot is a little high. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised that the Kings went after another goalie this season. If they go into the playoffs thinking Talbot and Copley are gonna cut it, I think they're gonna be get you're, they're gonna get ousted in the first round. There's no question. And I would like to point out too that uh Talbot was not good against the Pacific Division last year. Uh three of his five wins or uh two wins against the Ducks. He allowed one goal in those two games, but otherwise he was shelled by every other team. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that may just speak to how good the Pacific Division actually has sort uh, true, of become, true. right? I mean it's not it's not the Pacific Division of five years ago. So mm. but point taken for sure. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I would add is their third goalie is David Riddick, and he has some experience. So I wonder if the Kings are one of those teams that's gonna carry three goalies and just play the hot hand. Um, they don't have a lot of goalies signed, only four of them. So I don't know how it's yeah. going to work out. Uh, they signed Eric Portillo out of Michigan this year. Maybe he gets a shot, but I think he probably starts in the minors first. But that's okay. the most interesting question for me for the Kings. Yeah, Oilers fans will remember Big Save Dave quite well. <laughs> <laughs> the, the most yeah. ironic nickname in hockey. I, I can't yeah. understand. 100%. Um a couple more guys here from the Kings want to talk about Brant Clark. And so dynasty fantasy players are going to be familiar with, with Brant Clark. Um, obviously he's hard to project and just not having the numbers to work with or the, the past numbers to work with. We kind of just projected him at around, I think it was seven goals and 35 points for this upcoming season. I think that would be a, a really good season for him. Is there any, like, first of all, what would your projection be for Brent Clark? And then second, is there any chance he takes power play time from Drew Doughty this season? Do, do they, like, I had a friend suggest this to me. 
He said maybe as they want to rest Doughty and keep him healthy going into the playoffs, do they feed Brant Clark a few extra power play minutes throughout the season? I think that's entirely possible, but that assumes that the Kings have comfortably made the playoffs, which I don't know if they are. I mean, you, you need two things to happen for Brant Clark to step in. One, he needs to play well, and two, Doughty needs to take a step back. Right. And Dowdy's coming off a 52-point season where he's averaging 26 minutes a game. I don't think the drop-off <laughs> is going to be that steep right away. I still think Dowdy's going to be the guy. I think Clark's probably going to be in one of those like limited minutes, uh, very selective matchups, maybe some power play time. Um, I think there's a bit of too much hype coming into the season. It's just a hard position to play. I do like Clark in, in uh, Dynasty Leagues, though, but I think sure. 30, 35 points is probably at the higher end of what i have for him yeah like i said i think that's that's going well right everything kind of yeah. goes his way and he gets some power play two time and and see how things go um bruce what about you any interest in brant clark for this season uh i guess it, like jason said probably more in, in the dynasty for redraft leagues the only way doubt he's getting a power play time is if you break an arm or a leg and force him <laughs> off the ice that's the only way you're getting him off of there so <laughs> i don't uh and like jason said unless the Kings are comfortably in a playoff spot and they want to give Doughty some rest. That's the only way he's getting. He's only yeah. Getting... Yeah. No, I, I could see it being a bigger second half for Clark, maybe just as that, mm-hmm. depending on where they're sitting in the standings. Um. All right. That's fine. Let's talk about Quinton Byfield. Is, is this finally the year that we see a breakout from Quinton Byfield? Uh, our projection for him, Jason was, well, would you take the over under on 49 and a half points and nine and a half goals? So I would take the under for points, but the over for goals. Okay. So in my sleepers and keepers pro- pro- podcast, uh, Quinton Byfield was my sleeper pick for that division. Yep. I just think it's about time he broke out. He just needs to shoot the puck. I think he gets top line assignments. Maybe a little more power play time would be nice, but this about time he's proven that he can stay in the lineup. Todd McClellan clearly trusts him on the top line. He's got, good players to play with so just fire the puck a bit more i was going to ask you do you i can't remember if we talked about it in our divisional preview episode with you or not but do you buy into dauber's theory of the 200 game breakout threshold or 400 games for exceptionally larger players like is there any uh i don't know if i've seen enough data to back it up it sounds right but definitely for power forwards the curve is a little steeper yeah and i ask because you know Byfield's not quite there. He's at 100 games right now, but some mm-hmm. of the players we'll talk about later um, are approaching that 200-game threshold. Mm-hmm. So, right. All right. Um, assuming my computer will reload here for me, let's go back to the top of the uh, the division here and, and go back to the Anaheim Ducks. Um, so they brought in Alex Kalorn this year, and, and in my opinion, and John, you may feel the same, uh, I think Alex Kalorn's a regression candidate for this next season. Like He posted career highs last year, 65 points, 28 goals, but his individual shooting percentage was almost 20%, the second highest of his career. Uh, his team's even strength shooting percentage at 11.8%, and his IPP at almost 64% were all career highs. Left-wing lock has him as uh, potentially a 20% drop in production. Jason, I'll go to you first on this one. What, what is your take on Kalorn? Like, does he does he still seem like fair value at an ADP of 171? No. This is a guy I did void, void in uh, drafts. Um, I think Alex Kalorn is a guy you sign to be a veteran presence in a young locker room rather than his on ice abilities. Um, I think a 20% drop is realistic. I have him pegged for 20 ish goals 
around 30 assists for 50 points. So that's basically a 20% drop off from the 64 he had. And I just don't think he has the talent like he had in Tampa around him to be shooting 18, 20%. Yeah, I'm with you. I I see a drop off in his play for sure next season. Um, It's just not going to happen. John, what do you think? Um, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm not seeing a whole lot that I like there. Um, I'm going to say 20% regression sounds about right. Um, he, he never really put up big numbers prior. Um, but I, I don't see anything there that's, uh, going to make me warm and fuzzy inside for drafting him for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think the only saving grace for Kalorn is like career high ice time, but that's the only way I think he gets to where he was last year. Got to get those shifts. Yeah, I get those shifts. Oh boy, here we go. (laughs) We won't get into that. He's got to earn that money. He's got the bag. So, well, that's that's a valid point, right? And and so, teams that invest in players, they have to roll them out there as much as they can, right? Um, this one's interesting. Jamie Drysdale or Cam Fowler for the season? I I know you guys talked about this in your episode too. Is so? Is this the year that we finally see a a bit of a breakout from Jamie Drysdale, or is it just Cam Fowler time in, in Anaheim? Yeah, so Michael and I kind of had opposing views on this. He's on the Drysdale wagon. I think we're a season or two away just because he played eight games last year. That's a full year of key development loss. And I think Cam Fowler had a really great season last year. Um, If you look at even just the advanced metrics over the past three seasons, Fowler has always done better. And in Anaheim, like... They're not going to be a competitive team, in my opinion, but they're going to try and start to win games right off the bat to see where they're at. So I can see Fowler being the guy. Maybe at the tail end of the season, they give it to Drysdale when all hope is lost. Maybe that's Christmas time but for them. you know. <laughs> but it was also interesting to me that uh, Drysdale actually averaged more penalty kill time uh, per game than power play time last year. I just thought that was kind of interesting for a guy who's known more for his offense. And I think for this year, I'd still I'd still go with Fowler. I have him ranked 237th in my rankings and drives out 251st. All right, and and no no Dallas Eakins this year either in Anaheim, right? So, yeah, I mean, like everyone's going to improve because Dallas isn't there. <laughs> well, I, I think there's some truth to that, right? And again, just being that this <laughs> no, is like, an scenario not... show, I like everyone here is is familiar with Dallas Eakins and a lot of the stuff he pulled, and he doesn't seem comfortable with young players or knows how to manage them. I don't know. No, and and, like I watched more Ducks games last year than I really should have. And every (laughs) single game by like the first period, it feels like they just stop not trying, but just they lose, they go down, and then it just kind of sets in. Like there's not a lot of fight in that team sometimes. Yeah. And I just find them hard to watch. But if you're in a dynasty league, Jamie Drysdale's great. Yep. No question. Uh, Tyler, what about you? Because I know you've watched a few Ducks games over the years. I think they, I think they needed more donuts. And now with Dallas Aikens not there, maybe, maybe they'll have some energy to to come back in the third period. Oh man, um, <laughs> yeah, a- Angel Angel here is just chiming in. Says if you watched one duck game, you watched uh, too many. So that, there's probably some truth to that. I mean, the other thing is too, like being both defensemen, like. John Gibson needs to be good for these two players to be good as well, right? Like yeah. Fowler had, I think, had an exceptional season considering the type of roster and season that they had, a historically yeah. bad one. But if Gibson's good, then it, then it should be okay. But I don't have a lot of confidence in Gibson, and I don't think any of us should, really. I, I'm, I'm right there with you, and that was my next question. So is John Gibson going to be a train wreck again this year, or does he 
tighten things up a bit? Do the Ducks tighten things up a bit? Or do we see more Lucas Dostal? I'm going to let someone else draft John Gibson and deal with him. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, Michael Amato didn't have Gibson uh, ranked in his rankings, but I think Gibson, if you're looking for saves, if you're in a league that counts a lot of saves, yeah. he's good. Um, it's just he's going to kill kill you and everything else. Any chance you think he gets traded uh, this this season? Like I know those in-season trades are tough to pull off sometimes, yeah. but it just seems like if you don't get Gibson out of Anaheim, he's, he's really never going to improve. Yeah, I, I'd like... At this point, like I said before, I don't know if he's legitimately bad or just lost interest in playing hockey altogether. It's tough to tell sometimes. I hope for the Ducks' sake and his sake that he gets traded because the Ducks could get something nice for him. Yeah. Um, and as you mentioned, Lucas Dostal is coming up. I think Lucas Dostal could be a really good goalie. And I think he could play 20-plus games this year easily. I, I think he's a really nice zero-G option if you if you buy into that theory, like someone to look at uh, a bit later in the season. All right, uh, let's move on to the Calgary Flames here. And Bruce, I'm going to get you to chime in first here because <laughs> you, you've been burned by this player yourself. Uh, <laughs> yes, it, I still have the scars. <laughs> the PTSD. Jo- Jonathan Huberto. So Bruce, I mean, he went from, what was it, 115 points to 55 last season? Yep. Um, how are you feeling about Jonathan Huberto going into this year? Actually, I, I would draft him again. His ADP is going to be a lot later than... The third round, I think I took him in last year, and I think new coach, new systems, and that I think they're. I think he's going to bounce back to be a, roughly a point per point per game player. So I don't have any trouble taking him in the later rounds. Bruce but, has Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> he still loves him. He still loves him. Um, his he's right now he's going around 120 um, in Yahoo draft. So I mean, not too bad. He's probably more appropriate uh, at that at that price point. Okay, uh, Tyler, what do you think? Jonathan Huberto, big bounce back? I think point per game sounds sounds pretty fair. Um, the drop that he had, I think we all thought that there was going to be a drop. I don't think we thought it was going to be that significant. Um, yeah. I think Calgary is going to be better than they were last year. Not a lot, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I still think that a point a game sounds like something that he should be able to do without – like with a different coach there in itself should be able to get them there. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think like last year we talked with Jonathan Huberto and I believe we had him at around projected at around 85 points. We, we thought there was going to be some pretty significant regression, but nowhere near 55. Like that was just insane. So still have the scars. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Dustin Wolf, I, I, I think for, you know, dynasty purposes, really exciting player. John, you're nodding, so I'll go to you first on this one. I know you you, you watch a lot more junior hockey and and uh, amateur stuff than than probably the other three of us on this show. But um, Dustin Wolf, so I mean, he has he's pretty much proven everything he can. I think at the AHL level, right? Yeah, that's that's just it. Um, WHL, he was he was fantastic. AHL, he's he's put up uh, solid numbers the last couple of years. Um, yeah, it's I think it's time to put him in in the big show and see what he does. Um, yeah, no, that's exciting stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him in that. So what, what do we do with that situation? Cause I, it's really interesting. I actually read some of the elite prospects fantasy guide that they just released this week and they've got Dustin Wolf projected to play over 30 games this year. I, yeah, yeah. I hope so. 
Okay. I, I'm just curious. Like I, he's won a lot, two-time goalie of the year, HL MVP last year. In 105 games, he has a 77, 27 record, 927 save percentage. Like he's been fantastic. So Jason, yep. is there is there a road for him to play 30 games this year? Like what happens with Vladar and Markstrom? Yeah, I don't know. I think Elite Prospects might have kidnapped Dan Vladar or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> but like Dustin Wolf is one of those goalies. Like I think the size narrative really worked against him. Yeah, and I think being a two-time goalie of the year in the WHL, AHL, W Junior, or World Junior Gold, AHL MVP, like this kid's won everywhere, and at some point, you have to give him a chance. I just think when you have eight point eight million tied between Markstrom and Vladar, I think it's hard to justify playing Wolf, even though he, I think he does have the highest ceiling, and Vladar signed through twenty twenty-five, so two more seasons. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know how that's going to work out. Um, if Dustin Wolf does play, I think that's a great call by the Flames, but I just, I see his path being blocked and in a dynasty league. Yeah. Take him in a redraft league. I, I don't see the value right now. Okay. Yeah. It is tough in a redraft league. Cause you don't know. I mean, it's exactly, they yeah. got to make that, that transition somehow. And, but Bruce, I don't know if you know, Dan Vladar's contract, like it's, is it 6 million for Markstrom and 2.8 for Vladar? Is that what you're saying, Jason? I think. Uh, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Which I think to me, that's sort of a, that's a palatable contract that if you're going to move something in season, maybe you can move Vladar if you know you've got Dustin Wolf sitting there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 2.2 for Vladar. Okay. Even better. Okay. So is it 6.6 for Markstrom then, or is it less? Six even. Oh, six. Okay. So even 8 point, sorry. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then I don't want to spend too much time on the Calgary Flames, um, but <laughs> typical, typical. You guys are really nice to Huberdo anyway. I was a little surprised. Yeah. We try to keep it even kill sometimes, but it's where it ends. It's where it ends. <laughs> <laughs> um, any, any thoughts on Jacob Pelche and Matt Coronado for this upcoming season? I like Matt Coronado a lot more. I just seen him play a little bit more. Okay. Um, I think Calgary's short on right wingers and Coronado has a shot. Um, and he has the right hand, so to speak, yep. uh, to score a goal. So I think he can play higher in the lineup. I don't think Yegor Sharangovich is really going to play top line. Um, I think that's where they have him penciled in. I don't know if I see that all season. So I like Coronado, but he's a late flyer in redraft leagues. Uh, Peltier, we'll see. He strikes me more as someone whose offensive ceiling is a little lower than Coronado's. Okay. And with that, we're going to put the Calgary Flames to bed and move on to the Edmonton Oilers. Um, Tyler, I'm going to start with you just because of the of the guys on this show, you're probably the biggest Oilers fan, let's be honest. Um, Evan Bouchard, where where do you rank him among defensemen this season? Right, He's going right now an ADP of 78.7 going in the seventh round. I've seen him listed, I think, as high as top eight. Um could he move into that conversation for top five? Where, where do you have him if for, for redraft leagues this year? I think for me being a homer, like, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But I think 13th, I think that's kind of, that's based on the power play and like the historic number that Edmonton put up last year and everybody assuming that he's going to be there, which he will be. I like 13th best defenseman though. I, I don't know. Like, I think that's a bit of a reach. I know I'm probably going to draft him in like the fourth round. We know you're going to. Yeah, he finally tells us. He finally gives us the answers to where he's going to take Bouchard. Okay. Um, but I I don't know. That's a little bit. It's a little bit high. If I if I really like 
wanted to beat you and, and cared about that more than having the team that I wanted, I would probably take them. I would probably take them just a little bit lower than that, but it's all power play points. Okay. I mean, we had him projected, I believe Bruce for 65 points, 62 points, somewhere in that range. Um, yeah, 13 like goals, I, 63 points. Yeah. Like I, I th- we had a pretty conservative projection. What do you think, Jason? I was going to say, that's it. I thought this was an Oilers cast. <laughs> um, I have Bouchard ranked eighth among defensemen uh, okay. on my list, uh, just behind Adam Fox, which I put one spot ahead, and just behind Quinn Hughes, uh, three spots ahead. Um, ADP is weird sometimes. Like, For sure. I wouldn't follow that too often. But at 74th overall, uh, in my overall rankings, that sounds about right to me. He's clearly in the second tier of defensemen behind like Makar and Yoshi. And I think Bouchard actually has some sneaky banger league value. I think there's some hits and blocks to be had. So I think he can have more than just power play points. I I can see him scoring 70 points. So um, I have him ahead of Haskinen, Hedman, Carlson, and Morrissey. So interesting. Uh, I think he's on next week. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Permanent, permanent fixture on the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I can see it too. He's going to play at even strength with McDavid. Or dry saddle, right? One of the so I mean, he's going to have lots of opportunities to put the puck in the net and put up, collect some points. Um, interesting. I, and so I know actually that's a good segue because you and Michael talked about it was either um, Evan Bouchard or Adam Fox, right? And yes, Michael was in yeah. a keeper league, so maybe yeah. just explain that situation and the thought process there. So uh, that was Michael's uh, keeper league, and he basically asked me who would I pick, and I said Bouchard. Um, in a keeper league, I think Bouchard has more value just because McDavid's there. Um, from an individual fantasy standpoint, I find Fox a little bare in multi-category leagues because he gets a lot of assists, but not a lot of goals and shots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Bouchard just has better category coverage and the potential is immense for a power play that could be historically good again. Okay, there you go. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Evander Kane. So two players that we, Bruce and I have talked about quite a bit this summer. Uh, for different reasons. I love Nuge, but I just 104 points last year is not repeatable based on some of the underlying metrics that we've looked at, right? So I think the smart money is on him being more of a point per game player. Um, I think we have him at 26 goals and 83 or 84 points. Um, And then Evander Kane, at least I'm pretty bullish on him for this year. I'm thinking 35 and 70, but he gets no power play time. So that's obviously a limiting factor on his fantasy ceiling, but... um, Bruce, what do you think on uh, on Nuge? And then Tyler, I'll get you to talk about Evander Kane. So for Nuge, I think he's going to be slightly under a point per game. I think Nuge got his bump yes, last season because Kane was out because of the injury. So Nuge got some extra extra opportunity there. So now with Kane being back, I don't think Nuge is going to get quite as much opportunity. So I think he'll come in a little under that point per game pace. Okay. Yeah, and I think they had... Um... If I read that right the other day, I think they had Kane um, at the captain's gates playing with McDavid. Even without the power play time, I still think 35 goals is kind of where he's going to be. I think he can push 40. I don't think there's going to be a lot of assists there, but um, there'll be some hits. There'll be a lot of penalty minutes. Yeah. Um, and 35 to 40 <laughs> goals. <laughs> well, banger leagues, you love this guy, right? I mean, and the shot rate is fantastic. Um, Jason, do you, what's your opinion on these two players? 
so I have Nugent Hopkins at a point per game as well, or around there. And that makes him still a pretty good fantasy player. But if you consider what he did last year, that's a pretty big regression. Mm -hmm. And I kind of talked about this with Michael in my Sleepers and Keepers podcast. And one of the things I look like is uh, secondary assists. Yeah. So in the cap era, there's only been 13 times where a player has scored more than 50 power play points. Nugent Hopkins is ranked 13th in primary power play assists with 13 out of 38. Um, so 13 primary assists, 25 secondary assists. Um, that to me is a bit of a red flag um, because secondary assists are a bit of a luck stat sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that number could go down. I think his shooting percentage is going to go down. I'd be surprised if he scored 30 goals again. Um, I think that second assist is probably going to go to Bouchard. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just going to be McDavid, Drysaddle, Bouchard, like some combination of those three players on the power play probably. Yeah, I can see it. I mean, one thing I'll say is is Nuge. You're preaching to the choir, by the way. Like we, yeah. we actually did a whole article on on Nuge and just kind of as a regression candidate. But mm-hmm. um, he he is a wizard on the power play, and yeah. it's not going to be 32 and a half percent again. It probably is going to be somewhere between 28 and 30 percent, is my guess. But um, so yeah, he's going to regress, but he's still going to be just fine. I mean, I don't know. 50 yeah. power play points is a ton, though. That's, that's that is a, a ton. Lot. Only 13 times in the cap era, right? So it's a lot. For that sure. is a lot. And three of them were last year, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nuge. So that tells you how good that power play was. Uh-huh. Um, as for Evander Kane, uh, I think he can score more than 30 goals, but max 30 assists. It's just never a category he does well in. I think his career high is 27. Um, his hitting rate has actually gone up with age. So if he plays 82 games, you're looking at well over 200 hits. And if you can get 30 goals and 200 hits, you're a unicorn in in banger leagues yeah um i assume evander kane's gonna play the full season fingers crossed (laughs) hopefully nothing (laughs) happens i don't know what he's gonna get up to um but if he does play a full season i have him ranked 85 in my uh rankings so top 100 that's pretty good i think i like it Mm. uh okay next up here we've got and i i laughed actually because jason i know you talked about this in your show too but I made a note about this. The San Jose Sharks. Is, is, is there really... All chum. <laughs> is there any need to talk about the San Jose Sharks? I don't know. What do you guys want to talk about with the Sharks? Because you've basically got Thomas Hurdle, Logan Couture, maybe Anthony Duclair, and who's going to take over the power play. So, John, I'll go to you. Is there anything, or are they just trash? Like, give, give me something here, man. If you're looking for something, you're asking the wrong guy, because... Um... I'll be honest, I haven't been a fan of the Sharks for a while. And now that Carlson's not there, really, what do you talk about? Yeah, you've got your Logan Couture and Thomas Hurdle. But aside from that, what what is there? It's slim pickings <laughs> for sure. Um, Bruce, what do you think? Ay, 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 yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the lineup, it's like, okay, so... I'm guessing Velastic is probably the be the one that's going to be on the power play, but then you've got a mishmash of young forwards and old forwards, and it's just a matter of throw a put out a dart, put names on a dartboard, just throw some darts and put the lines out, and that's <laughs> pretty much it. And and pray, you know, we've got Mackenzie Blackwood and Capo Kakinen, so pray that he can make a stop. Well, yeah. we're not exploded. doing a great job of growing our audience in the bear. No. Yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry, San Jose. Attempt, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, there's not a there's not a whole lot of faith there that 
It's it's just tough, right? And we all kind of yeah. had a feeling like our projections earlier this summer were all based on the fact that Eric Carlson was still going to be there at least for part of the season. Like, yeah. uh, so it's just ugly. It's just ugly there. Uh, but Anthony Duclair, like, I think this may be an opportunity for him to to see a larger uh, deployment, both on the power play and on even strength, even though the talent around him is going to be less. Uh, can you can you see him having close to a career season there, or is that just totally out the window now? Uh, well, he's got a lot of competition. Um, if we're picking guys at the very bottom and trying to go to the top, I'd, I'd say Philip Zadina is very interesting. For sure. Um, but the one winger or two wingers, I guess, on the Sharks, I'd actually have some interest in would be Alex Barabanov, yep. uh, former Leaf. He actually put up some pretty good points. Um, I don't think his he's a lock for a top six role, but he did play well in that in that role last year at a 50, 56 point pace. So if you're looking for some depth, that's it. Um, the other is William Eklund and only because he's probably their best prospect. Uh, Bordelow's there, but I think Eklund's a little bit ahead. And if he can play with Hurdle or Couture, um, he might put up 40 points, but I, I, I really find it difficult to see that. All right. Uh, with that, let's move on to the Seattle Kraken, who a much more exciting team. I think exceed <laughs> a lot of expectations. Uh, the first guy I want to talk about is Jared McCann. So he scored 30 goals and 139 shots, five and five, a shooting percentage of 21 and a half percent, basically in three seasons prior to last year, he's his shooting percentage five and five was just 10.9%. So there's going to be some regression. We've still got him at 67 points and 34 goals. Tyler, do you like Jared McCann? I know you've had him at different points, um, but is this a guy you want to maybe avoid, or, or is Seattle just going to keep scoring a pile of goals and he'll be part of it? No, I'd I'd avoid him. I, I the times that I did pick him up, it was more of somebody else dropping him and kind of streaming him for the week on a yeah. good week, and hoping that he'd get a couple of those goals on that crazy shooting percentage. But um, I I don't draft him, and if I do, it's really late. I'm I'm hoping to pick him up just off waivers somewhere in the season. Yeah, probably fair. Uh, Jason, what's your take on McCann for next season? Uh, I like your projection. I, I think he's going to regress for sure. Um, he doesn't shoot the puck a whole lot for a guy who scored 40 goals. <laughs> no. And and the Kraken have like so many wingers. I mean, Bjorkstrand, Eberle, Schwartz, Bjorkowski, Tolvanen, they're all gunning. For ice time, they're all getting around 16, 17 minutes each. Um, they don't really have one dominant power play. And if you just look at the advanced stats, Jared McCann exceeded his expected goals by quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a regression is big there. Uh, out of all the 40 goal, 40 goal scorers last year, he's my one guy where I'm like, he does not belong on this list. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Outlier for sure. Yeah, no question. <laughs> Uh, so who do you really like there then out of the, the forward group? Is there one or two guys you're really targeting for the season? Uh, no targets because I find it difficult to to separate a lot of them. Yeah. But I do think Oliver Bjorkstrand's due. I think he was a little snake bit last season. Um, he actually averages slightly fewer shots per game than Jared McCann. Uh, but relative to McCann, he was super snake bit. Uh, I can see him getting close to 30 goals. And if McCann's around 30 goals, I feel like they're comparable players. Um, so, uh, Bjorkstrand probably is it, but Everly gets all the, the most ice time. So yeah. 
if you're going to pick one guy, it's Eberly. Um, I just like Bjorkstrand to bounce back a little bit from, from last year. I think there's a couple guys I like there are defensemen, actually. So if you're looking like for category coverage, Adam Larson's fantastic, right? In terms yes, of match. He's, like he's underrated, in fact, I'd say. A lot of people seem to overlook him because he doesn't put up a ton of offense. But I, I think he's probably still good for between 25 and 32, 33 points. Like he's he's contributing that way still and, you know, hits, block shots, like all that stuff he's contributing. I think he was amongst the top two or three um, among defensemen last season. Yeah. Yeah. So on Seattle, I like Maddie Bediner's best. He just surprises me every year. Um, I think when he was drafted, he was more of like a two-way guy, but his offensive ceiling, I don't even know where it is right now. Cause every year he just looks a lot better. <laughs> um, but going back to Larson and, and I know this is kind of like a tangent, but what were you guys' takes when that trade happened with Taylor Hall? Oh boy, you don't you don't get Tyler started. Well, we'll, one, we'll for one. <laughs> one for one, one for one. But I mean, like in retrospect, like I, I think Adam Adam Larson's a really fine player, and I don't think Taylor Hall's that great either. So I we, don't. We really miss Adam Larson now. Like that's the funny yeah, thing when yeah, when the trade exactly. you nailed it right on the head because we when the trade happened, Tyler texted me and I said like, "Where's the rest of the trade?" <laughs> he goes, "No, it's 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 one for one," and I went, "Wow." Um, and everybody hated it, right? Because at the time, yeah. Taylor Hall still had some cachet, like he hadn't been jettisoned around the league. And mm-hmm. But now, you, also, you consider that he won Hart Trophy, right? Yeah, like, the MVP it, the next year, yeah. Right, so it's like that made it look really bad. And then yeah. Adam Larson was just like a really solid defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those things like you, you appreciate some people more when they're gone. And, and so it's yeah. like Larson's gone, and all of a sudden the Oilers are like, man, we really needed that guy. Um so yeah, looking at it today through today's lens, I, I think that the trade's fine because you look at what Taylor Hall is today, and it's it's, mm-hmm. He's it's a harder. Player. Yeah, right. Like I mean, he might have a great season in Chicago playing next to Bedard, um, but it's kind of a different circumstance. So, but I think you guys got an even better one now, Matthias Ekholm. He's going to free up a lot of minutes for everyone else. He's he's so good. I think he, like going back to the Oilers, I think he's an underrated fantasy player. I I could see him scoring yeah. a lot of points this year. We love Ekholm. I mean, Tyler, yeah, maybe you want to talk about Ekholm. Like he, he's been fantastic. He showed up in Edmonton, and, and things turned around pretty quick. He's been perfect. I mean, when when a team like when a player comes to a new team, and you didn't watch him that much, and you didn't really pay attention, and then you see him every night, like the difference that he made. Um, he's Edmonton's best defenseman since probably Chris Pronger. So, um, and that's saying a lot. But he, he probably is. Great beard game, too. Definitely. Um, all right, we're, we're coming up to uh, – we're going to do a bit of a break here shortly, but let's try and get through the, the last two teams here, guys. Um, I do want to mention quickly, too, Jason, I like um, – what's his pickle? Wow, that just evaded me. <laughs> <laughs> Defenseman for Seattle. Why well, can't I remember his name right now, guys? Vince Dunn. Vince Thank Dunn. you, Vince Dunn. So that's one guy. If I'm going to target anybody from Seattle, I may really like Vince Dunn just based on the fact that he's going to get power play one yeah. pretty much without question. Yeah. And I think our projection for him, Bruce, was 12 to 14 goals and about 55 points. So yep. I'm glad right. you said Vince Dunn there because I thought you were going to say something like Justin Schultz and I was going to give you that look. And <laughs> We're, we're going to talk about Schultz later, but no, for now we're going to move on. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks and Jason, I, I don't want to, you know, gloss over this cause I know that's your team here, but, uh, Quinn Hughes, new captain of the Vancouver Canucks. Was that the right decision? 
Uh, I think that was the right decision. I think that was probably the obvious choice. So uh, last year, last game on home ice, it was Quinn Hughes who took the mic and spoke to the crowd. And he's always been the one that's really been outspoken, um, really isn't afraid to call himself out and other players for not playing well. And when Brock Besser went through that tough time with his dad and everything else, uh, Quinn was really vocal with his support. So I don't think anyone in Vancouver was really surprised, especially if you consider the contract situation with Pedersen. Uh, God forbid he leaves, but his it'd be weird to name him captain and then see him leave the next season. And I think JT Miller has a lot to live up to. And I just think throwing the captaincy at him is probably just too much. Yeah, I, I get the sense he's a bit abrasive, JT Miller, like just from what I've seen in interviews and <laughs> stuff, little, right? So just a little. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know him personally, but just that's the sense I get. Um, and then Quinn Hughes, where do you have him ranked amongst defensemen this year? Uh, Quinn Hughes, that is a good question. I have him ranked, uh, just give me one second here, Yeah, 70th. Uh, so four spots ahead of Bouchard. Um, I just think this guy has point per game potential, even if it's like just five goals. But where are you going to find a guy who's going to put up, you know, 30, 40 power play assists potentially? Yeah. 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 And probably more valuable, particularly in points leagues too, right? I mean, he just, he yes, doesn't cover correct. a lot of those other categories that you look for sometimes in a defense correct. game, but. Correct. Okay. Uh, and then I want to talk about, well, you mentioned Brock Besser. Any chance he bounces back? Um, it depends on his wrist. I, I just think again, kind of like Seattle, there's too much competition on the wings. Um, so you got Pearson's coming back. McKayev's coming back. You got Beauvillier there. You got Pod Coles and Hoglander there. Um, Besser, I think the only way he can probably reach 30 goals and 60 plus points if he gets power play one, um, he didn't get a lot of it last year. Um, I, he's a fan favorite. I think everyone's rooting for him. It's just tough to see, uh, given how he's used and, and his production over the past few years. Okay. Uh, and then Thatcher Demko returned from injury February 27th. Uh, his second half of the season was drastically improved. He posted an 11-4-2 record, 252 goals against average, a 19 save percentage. And uh, 17 games, small sample size, but that projected out to a 39-win campaign. So I think really like where Demko goes, probably the Canucks go. What do you think about that? And Pedersen too, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Demko has to stay healthy. That's the only thing. When he's healthy, he's a top 10 goalie in the league to me. Um, yeah. From a fantasy standpoint, I know they added Susie and Nicole, but I don't think that defense is still that great. So he's probably going to put up a, a lot of saves for you. And if he's healthy, it's a good save percentage and wins as well. Because he he he's the type of goalie that can steal games for you. Yeah, absolutely is. Yeah, I know Bruce and I have fought over him a couple times over the past couple seasons. Yeah, yeah, and I think I don't think Spencer Martin's a great backup, so he's not going to push for a lot of playing time. No, uh, Silovs is the one that I'd worry about, but they probably put him in the minors just to get him the reps. Okay, I'm gonna uh, one quick point here, and then we're gonna go to break here, guys. Um, from February 27th to the end of the season, Demko had the same 5-on-5 five five save percentage, 9.30, as Ilya Sorokin, and he was better than UC Saros, Ilya Samsonov, Gorgiev, and Connor Halbach. Um, so with that, we're going to take a really quick break here, guys, and when we come back, uh, we're going to touch on projections for Demko and then talk about the Vegas Golden Knights. All right, we are back. Uh, Tyler, I'm just going to disregard that message. <laughs> <laughs> Not important. Um, all right, so Thatcher Demko, I'm just going to jump to my projections here. So we, Jason, 60 starts, 73% net share and 32 wins. Are you taking the over or under on that? Uh, for Demko? For Demko. 
Um, how many games did you say again? 60 starts, 32 wins. Uh, the wins is probably right. The starts, yeah, I, I might go even a little higher than that, um, but that's great. I mean, I think that's online if he stays healthy. Okay, perfect. Um, anything else we should talk about with the Vancouver Canucks? Um, I hope they win someday. <laughs> <laughs> Years of futility. I just, I'm never that hope. I've been burned too many times, but I like, I mean, I just watch them because they're on and they're my team, but hopefully one day they can do it. I, I think they're, I think they're a borderline playoff team and it's just a really interesting season for them. There's a lot of pressure. So I wonder how they're going to handle it as well. Are, are you concerned at all about uh, Patterson's contract situation? Um, I am because I think Matthew Tuchuk kind of set a dangerous precedent where if you're an RFA and you don't like the situation, you can press for a trade. And I don't think there'd be any hard feelings. I think I understand where Patterson's coming from. It would just really suck to lose a player of his caliber because in my opinion, he's a top 10 elite two-way center and you just don't find those guys so if he if he leaves hopefully we get something good in return um but i would like to see him in vancouver okay on that really positive note let's move on to the vegas golden knights <laughs> uh as much as that pains me because i don't think well i know four people 80 percent of this this show is not a fan of the vegas golden knights um but how should fantasy managers approach the goaltending situation in Vegas this year? You've got Aiden Hill there. He's fantastic in the postseason. He had a 930 save percentage, roughly. Uh, signed a two-year deal, 4.9 million bucks. But they've also got Logan Thompson there, and he's been really solid too with a career 265 goals against average and a 915 save percentage, though just in 57 games played. Um, so, Bruce, I'll go to you first on this one. How are, how are you approaching this goaltending tandem in, in Vegas do you, do you like Aiden Hill? I know he's a bit unproven. He's kind of an older goaltender, given his bit of a breakout last year. But what do you think? Uh, well, just you look at the money alone, right? Hill's going to be the starter because they're paying him $4.9 million and Thompson's making, I think, 766000 So they're going to make Hill the starter. He's going to They're going to roll him out. And I guess the other X factor is, is uh, what's happening with Robin Leonard? <laughs> He's out in the desert somewhere. He's he's gone. He's yeah, he's on a he's, snake farm somewhere. He's, he's, he's done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, it's going to be Aiden Hill's crease, and Thompson's going to fill in when Hill needs a break. I think that's pretty much how it's going to how it's going to play out. Whether Thompson's going to be happy with that because he was playing really well for the nights before he got hurt. So see what I, happens there. I, I like that approach too, Bruce. Like I I would be drafting Aiden Hill as as the starter, at least to begin the season. Cause yeah. I think there's a lot of truth that you follow the money. You don't pay a guy 5 million bucks a year for two seasons after just winning you a Stanley cup. Yeah. Cause he, he there, there's a case there for him to be the con Smythe winner based on his level of play. Oh, I yeah. think. Absolutely. And so you're not going to just say like, I, sorry, like we got Logan Thompson here. So Thompson, they're going to use him. I mean, if Aiden Hill falls off, then Thompson will have an opportunity, but Jason, what do you think? How do you view that situation there? I'm taking the opposite view of you guys. That's okay. I, I, I think Logan Thompson should be the starter. Um, I think his even strength save percentage was better. I think goals against average or goals uh, saved above average is better. Uh, it is interesting that Aiden Hill's uh, getting picked slightly higher in Yahoo ADP. My strategy for this team would be to roster both goalies because I'm not sure how it would play out. 
I don't think Aiden Hill will be a starter all season. I can see this being end up being like a 50-50 split. I think they'll just run the hot hand and see what happens. And it's Vegas. You don't need to be a lights-out goaltender to get the wins. So, uh, But my preference is Thompson. I, I, he was a starter before he got hurt, and I think he, he should go back to him. As for Laner, I, I, I was under the assumption that he was at like the LTIR retirement stage of his career yeah <laughs> um it's hard to come back from like hips chronic hip problems i think he yeah. had hip surgery and and whatever off ice stuff he's got into <laughs> uh, yeah way too much we could that's that's a whole other discussion but okay fair enough um jonathan marsh so is he being overdrafted right now now again i don't we're not putting a ton of stock into adp values but mm-hmm. he, right now he's going in the eighth or ninth round of early mock drafts um I mean, is this the case of people looking at what happened in the playoffs and assuming it's going to carry over to next season? Or is he going to be on that line with Eichel and uh, Barbashev and just continue to be a great fantasy asset? Um, I think he is getting a little overdrafted. But Marsha Show is in that really big middle class of 60-point players. Um, and I think in terms of upside, you could probably find someone better. So... Troy Terry, Dawson Mercer, Drake Batherson, even Brock Besser, who we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all these guys can make a case to go ahead of Marcia So, but fantasy tends to have a recency bias. But For let's sure. not forget that Marcia So mm-hmm. will be 33 years old in December and Vegas spreads out their minutes. So I think your upside is capped at that point in the draft. For a 60 point guy, I'd rather take a shot at someone who's younger and has more upside. I, I would tend to agree with you. I drafted Marcia so last year. I can't remember where I took him, but he was frustrating at times because he was just, he'd go yeah. cold and he was very quiet. Um, had a great playoffs. And I mean, that can happen, right? Lots of guys can mm-hmm. get hot in the playoffs. Dawson Mercer. I think, I think I've got him here to talk about later, but I, I really like him for this year. He's going to. He's a he, great player. Yeah. He's on my draft list for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you score 60 points, you'll probably rank inside the top 100 in scoring in the league. So an ADP at that point, Around that range, I think, feels right to me. It's just a big middle class. You could take him 20 spots lower, and I don't think it'd really make a huge difference. All right, last question on the Vegas Golden Knights, and then we'll move on to general draft strategy and player discussion. But which player do you like more, Alex Petrangelo or Shea Theodore? (laughs) Uh, Petrangelo, because I think he's more predictable. Okay. I, I just think he's the safer pick. It feels like Theodore, I don't know where he's going right now, but I last I looked, he, was, he wasn't being drafted super early. Yeah, I, I think you can get good value for Shea Theodore. Um, it's just hard to separate the two. Um, and I think if you're going for like an offensive uh, defenseman, uh, I think you should have probably taken someone better earlier in your draft. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, point scoring defensemen are a premium. So I for mean, sure. Yeah. Well, that feels like a great segue then into our, our next segment here. So let's get into that. Uh, I just want to get your general draft strategy. What are your thoughts? How do you approach every draft? Just some advice for our listeners here. So um, assuming this is just sort of a 12-team redraft league, not not Dynasty or Keeper, right. but just uh, something that's maybe a bit more, more general. Um, so how do you approach each draft? Are there specific players or positions that you target early? Are there players you avoid? Um Where's your mindset going in each draft? So obviously, like any draft depends on your categories. I think that's the biggest consideration. For myself, I tend to skew, I tend to lean towards the younger players. 
Um, so you won't find me drafting Pavelski or Zuccarello very often, even though I just <laughs> took Zuccarello in my other league, but that's because I took Eric Sinek and a whole bunch of wild players. Um, I like the upside. It, I think in fantasy, especially in a redraft league, um, you want to go for the upside. Um, even if it doesn't work out, I always feel like there's players on the waiver wire that you can pick off all the time. Yeah. Um, players I avoid are the ones I think that have an inflated shooting percentage. Um, you can all look at all sorts of stats, but to me, shooting percentage has always been one of the more reliable indicators of right. a regression or reversion. Um, so those are the the guys I, I tend to avoid. Um, as a personal strategy, I also tend to just like to draft players I like to watch or personally like. Yeah, um, just keeps me more vested. I, I think there are times where fantasy hockey gets a it becomes of a grind. I'm in a roto league and that's a grind. Yeah. So yeah. if I can draft a player that I like to watch, it just makes it that much more enjoyable. And if you're just getting into fantasy hockey, I think that's the way you should do it too. Well, I, Tyler can tell you all about drafting players you like, as opposed to maybe the ones you should take. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I do my drafts. Yeah, I can, but I don't want to. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, so are, are you a zero G guy? That was one question I wanted to ask you. Like, do you, what's your approach with goalies and drafts and redraft leagues? I, I hate to answer every question with like, it depends, but um, I tend to think that if you're not getting a top five workhorse goalie, don't take a goalie. Fair. Like if, if you're not getting an Andre or Vasilevsky, don't worry about it. There are leagues that I've been in where, uh, goalie categories are very valuable and there are fantasy managers that haul goalies. Like I'm talking rostering like six or seven per team. Right. Ooh. So at that point you can't have a zero G strategy. Right. Um, it becomes a mad scramble, but in general, if you're like in a normal league, um, <laughs> you don't need to reach for the goalie. Like it is the most volatile position. And unless you have like a surefire goalie and granted injuries happen, there's no need to reach for him. Totally fair. Um, Bruce, I'll go to you too. I'll ask you the same question. Like zero G I know we've, we had Nate on the show a couple of years ago and you were, yeah. you were hooked. Are oh, you yeah. still, are you going full zero G again this year? Or are you just fading goaltenders? What's going to be your approach? Uh, the plan again is to go zero G this year, unless one of those top goalies drops into my lap at a position that I like. Otherwise it's yeah, it's I'm almost way too serious. Zero G. I think last year I waited till like the 15th or 16th round before I started <laughs> drafting goalies. Yeah. The one league, they literally were my last three picks were the goaltenders. So I waited till the very end. So yeah, I'm, unless someone drops in my lap, I'm, I'm all in. Is this the one where you got Bennington? No, that was the league. I picked him. I picked him early. <laughs> oh, okay. That you was, did. You, you yeah, <laughs> Bennington early? Yeah. I, Cause that was. I, was that right oh, after the cup run? Yeah. It was right oh, after the cup run. I, I thought, yeah, it's right after. He'll be great. Right. And yeah, I got. Did that, uh, and then I made the mistake of I took him as a zero, like a a zero G option last year, and he didn't even last last year. <laughs> so. It's the Cam Ward fallacy: win something and just straight downhill. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. not on. He's not on my list this year. Not a chance. I'll let someone else deal with that. Well, and and that's just that's exactly it. That's exactly what happened. So he comes in the league, right? He was fantastic. His even strike save percentage was nine thirty eight, and it's gone down every sing, single season since last year nine oh five. So. Um, you weren't wrong, Bruce, to try and grab him. That was like me and Cam Talbot. Remember after the 16-17 season, I took him in the first round? Yeah. And that then... was a flop. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just going to quickly, Angel, 
is commenting here on the live feed on YouTube. So thank you um, for the kind words. Appreciate that. Um, John, I know you've been burned by goalies too. Uh, I, I don't know if I should even bring it up, but Marc-Andre Fleury absolutely hosed you a couple of years ago. <laughs> Lost in the final by like half a point. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's all I got. <laughs> all I needed him to do was basically finish the game and he let him like, what was it? Four goals that game and got pulled and <laughs> lost me a bunch of points and I lost. So. Lost some money too. Yeah, that was that was unfortunate. I, I, I felt for you. I've never seen uh, you so mad before. Yeah, that that was an interesting night. That's for sure. But um, so are, are you yeah. going zero G this year, John? Or what's your thoughts? Dude, I was just going to say, I, I can't. Um, I tried. I hate streaming goalies. It's just something that I hate doing. Yeah. That is um, something you have to be good at if you want to do zero G. You got to be yeah. You have, want to stream goalies and keep an eye on that because that's an important part of it. Yeah, I. It drives me nuts. I did it for a few years. If I don't get the goalies that I want, then yeah, I'll do that. But uh, yeah, definitely not a fan. Um, so yeah, not to throw my draft strategy out there, but yeah, I'll probably. <laughs> Pull some goalies before uh, before Brucey will. I know that. Do you guys, sure. uh, do you guys use waivers for goalie streaming, or is it just like straight pickup? No, we've we've got. Well, it depends on the league we're. But I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. For me personally, I, I it's tough to stream goalies. Is tough. You have to have time. You have to be committed, and you have to be patient. And and it, yeah. and for sure, there's lots of options that pop up every year. Um, but you got to be on it because if that guy pops up and you didn't grab him right away, then you're in trouble. Tyler, are you doing like I know you couldn't do full zero G, and we've talked about it on other shows, but you're just fading goaltenders, or, or what's your thoughts? Ideally, what I would do is take take your surefire top ten fifty start goalie um, near the top of the draft, probably fourth pick for me personally, yeah. somewhere yeah. somewhere in there. And then last couple picks kind of fill out your goalies at that point and then stream the rest of them. Ideally. Yeah, no, I I like that strategy. And I, and I, I've done that too. Like it's nice to have a workhorse goaltender that you just, you just know is there and he's going to get starts. And then, like you said, if you have to fill it in with some other guys, that's fine. Yeah. Or trade on Gibson. (laughs) (laughs) Or or what? You You know, he's going to start. He's not going to (laughs) win. I'm not telling you. (laughs) <laughs> also, if you do a zero G strategy, I always find it's fun to just take goalies in the last two picks. So like a Dustin Wolf or even a Joel Hofer would be yeah. a great yeah, absolutely. in the lap yeah. in the like the last round if you're a zero G guy. I know if you're gonna follow the money, like Bennington's still gonna play, but I really do think that's a case. That might be the exception to the rule where Joel Hofer gets some starts this year. Like he's shown he can be capable at times. Yeah. So yeah. Um you had mentioned Bennington gets those penalty minutes though, so Oh, we got to get those bims. <laughs> they don't count in fantasy, though. No, that's just it. Yeah, they don't count. That's Goal? terrible. That's unbelievable. I'm going to change that. Yeah, you, you make sure you change <laughs> that for ESPN League. Yeah. Um, Jason, you had mentioned positional scarcity. So is that a consideration for you in the first 10? Like, for me, it is for sure. I, when it comes to defensemen, there's only a handful of elite-level offensive D-men. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're hard to, to find in mid to late rounds of your draft. But what's your thoughts? Uh, I do believe in someone. I think scoring defensemen are going to just increase uh, over the years because that's just the way the league is trending. Um, position scarcity. I would rather go for category scarcity than position scarcity. 
Um, like if I really need a category, like if I need goals or I need hits or I need shots, that's, that's, I would prefer to do that. So if I need shots and there's no fours alike, then I don't care that Roman Yossi's a defenseman. He's going to shoot right. like any other top elite forward. Okay. Fantastic. Um, what is your position regarding rookies? And I think you may have answered this already, but are, there, are they late draft swings for you? Do you avoid them completely? Or are they just watch list material? Like how do you approach rookies each year? Because that seems to be hard to find value. Like there's a few exceptions, obviously. But... Yeah. So, I mean, the big question is where do I take Connor Bernard this year, right? So I have him ranked, I think, 60-something in my rankings because I just don't think the ceiling's that high yet. Right. In a dynasty league, great. But he's going to be way better five years from now than yeah. this year. So generally, unless it's a McDavid or Bedard, I generally don't draft rookies until the very end. Um, okay. Just be, yeah. Late, well, late round swings. I think that's when late you do round, it, right? Yes, like yes. 15th round plus, you can take swings on guys who may have some appeal. Like what about a guy like Adam Fantilli? Fantilli would probably be great in banger leagues, but we have nothing to work off of. Like we're just watching him play in college and, and assuming that he plays the same style in, in the league where he's a big physical center. Yeah. Um, Fantilli, again, he's a, like an exceptional prospect. So I don't mind if you take him earlier. It's just that it's a big risk if you're drafting him, say, in the first 10 rounds or even 10 to 12. Yeah. That's, I, I think at that point, there's a lot more safer players that can go with and, and players with upside as well. And it's the Jackets. Like, they're not they're not going to be that good. Well, <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to jump ahead here a little bit. Cause I, part of our player discussion uh, conversation here was, was around the blue jacket. So I'll just ask it now, mm. since we're there, do you have any concerns about that team from a fantasy perspective, given some of the, the recent events with Mike Babcock and, <laughs> Mike and Boone Babcock. Jenner? Like, you know, is that going to cause a riff in the room? Uh, I would say no for now. Um, it is a bit of a weird story though. Like, I mean, you and I, if we're buddies, we share photos on our phone, but it's different when it's a coach and player. But some, I think some people are okay with it and some people aren't. Like, right. I don't know what's on your guys' phones. <laughs> Do I even want to know? Like, uh, but, not Tyler's, not Tyler's, no. Yeah, but it, it's one of those things where, like, winning cures everything. So if the Jackets jump out of the gate and they're good, this is a non-story. Right. If it spirals and something happens and some player gets benched, maybe it becomes a story. I do like the Jackets as a team. I think they got a lot of talent. Um, that goaltending just scares me um, a lot. That's fair. Well, I, so I, we'll talk about that later too, but uh, we'll put that to bed for now. <laughs> okay. Uh, sticking or going back to draft strategy here, what is the best selection you've ever made in terms of value or performance? And what is the worst selection you've ever made? <laughs> I've, I've made plenty of bad selections. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would say... I kind of had to dig through my history, but uh, last year I got Rasmus Dahlin in the 16th round of my keeper draft, which I thought was great. It turned out to be great. Yeah, uh, I picked Zibanejad in the 18th before his 74-point breakout season. I got Rantanen in the 21st before his breakout season. So this is why like, I like taking young players with upside in the lower rounds because you just never know. Yeah. Um, this year I got Couturier late. I think that's going to be good value. And I got Josh Norris late. Um, and those two players are coming off like major injury. So fingers crossed that it pans out. I, I think 
probably my best selection I've ever made was Linus Allmark last season. I got him in the last round. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Unbelievable. Never thought that was going to happen. Probably never happened again. And you didn't even win though, right? I didn't even win. No. And Tyler will tell me. Yeah, he'll, he'll remind me. <laughs> you didn't win. You didn't win. <laughs> so this is kind of the beauty of fantasy. Like you can have that one dominant player. Like if you have a big data, you're still not guaranteed to win. Whereas no. I feel like it's kind of different in other fantasy sports sometimes. So I, I wouldn't know because I've never had McDavid because Tyler never gives me the first overall pick. So I don't decide. <laughs> I don't decide. <laughs> um, okay. We had a, just a question here from uh, Nathan. Um, thanks for the question, Nathan. He's actually been chatting with us and been a follower of ours for a while. So good to hear from you. In a keeper league, would you keep Gensel or Kreider? I also have Crosby and Kempe as keepers forward-wise. So Jason, I'll, I'll go to you on that one first. Okay. And then Bruce, I want to get your opinion. Uh, I think this is a no-brainer for me. I'd take Jack Gensel. I, I just think, yeah, yeah, I just I think you. because you have Crosby, that's an added bonus. But Gensel's younger. He's not as power play dependent as Kreider. Um, I think Gensel, when healthy, has 40 goal percent potential. Kreider has that in like once, once a career, maybe twice a career. Um, so I like Gensel. Yep. Okay. Hang on, I agree. Me too. Alrighty. Tyler, you agree with that one too? Yep, that's yep. Yep, yep. <laughs> All right. Great job, guys. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the input there. Uh one more here from Nathan too, I'll go to. Worst pick was Krejci about a week before he said he was going to play in the NHL two seasons ago. Uh pick Kreider right after though and had that fifty goal season. That's so, yeah, awesome. That worked out well. You you recovered just fine, Nathan. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Um Bruce, I'll ask you too. Worst worst selection you've ever made. Gee, that's an obvious one. <laughs> Huberto last year. Oh my goodness. Uh, uh, Tyler, John, anything for you guys? Worst selection? Uh, there's just so many. I can't even pick one. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. Hard to pick one. But I think there's two types of bad selections. One is like bad luck and there's nothing you can do about that. The other one is you look back and you're like, wow, why didn't I take this player over the guy I took? And yeah. I think those ones are the ones that hurt the most. For sure. Uh, okay, last point here on draft strategy. It's just, um, Jason, do you have any other general draft strategy advice, resources you like to use, or words of wisdom for the listeners? Um, other than picking players that you like, um, just so you can stay more invested and it's just more fun that way, I'd also say make your trades early. Because um, if you get a player and it, and if somehow they do better than you think or worse, you can always trade them later. Um, I think most leagues make trades too late. Um, they're afraid to pull the trigger. Granted, it's a long season. And I just think there's multiple opportunities to trade a player. It's not like real life where you don't, you want to, you're not Mike Keenan, basically. Right. <laughs> um, but I do also think in banger leagues that you have to be aware that some categories are harder to fill than others. So for me, banger league scoring is still really hard to to get. So you may say, you know, hits and blocks are just as important if you're in a roto league. But I think for one week or one month, you can pick up a Radko Gudas or Nick Delorier right. and, and catch up quick. But if you're 50, 100 points behind in like power play or goals or assists, that's that's really hard to make up. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, we're going to move on to player discussion here. I'm just going to mention quickly, if you want to join in on the discussion, go over to youtube.ca slash heavy hockey, and uh, you can submit some questions there for us. Happy to answer them. 
Uh, we're going to be on here until about 10.30. And, of course, make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the shows moving forward. That includes Oilers Live, which is Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. on Edmonton Sports Talk. Um, all right, let's go to player discussion here, guys. So I want to talk uh, right away about David Pasternak. So, Bruce, I'm going to ask you this question here first. Right now he's going, his current ADP is 3.6. He kind of seems like it's it's McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Pasternak right now are, are still kind of at the top three, at least in terms of ADP. Any concerns about him next year? It's been a dumpster fire in Boston this summer. <laughs> Pasternak, no, no concerns at all. I think if you put him on the ice by himself, he could probably still put up 80 points. Like he's, he's that good. <laughs> I don't think like it's really going to matter who they put out there with him. He's going to find a way to score. And he, he's shown that in the past that he can do that. So, okay. I, I don't know if I would take him at three myself, but I have no, uh, no hesitation of taking him in the first round. Yeah. Maybe I, I, later in the first round, but. No, I, I love Pasternak. And if you can get him at the right price point, I, I agree, Bruce. Three is too high for me personally. Like there's a couple of the guys I, I would take over past it at that position. Um, Jason, I'll go to you on that. What, what's your thoughts with Pasternak this year? Same. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't take Pasternak that high. Um, he's a first round talent, first round pick for sure. Especially if you consider that he fires 400 shots a year. Yep. <laughs> not, not many players exactly. do that. And exactly. I, I would go the under on 60 goals for sure. But. I think First he was pick. second overall last year behind McKinnon was, or is that the other way around? I think that they were the top two last year, I think for shots. If I remember Oh, correctly. I think Pasternak was first. Yeah. 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 Um, Tyler, any interest in Pavel Zaka this year? Cause I mean, he, he looks to be uh, the heir apparent to Patrice Bergeron. He's going to take over top, top line center duties. Um, they have nothing to work with. They have no center depth. Like, I mean, Somebody has to play the position, and Zaka is a big body. Seems like he could maybe put up some points. Our projection for him is 23 goals and 69 points, Tyler. You could say it. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. I I think to what Jason was saying earlier, is he kind of fits in that that middle tier, like that 60-point guy. There's tons of other options. I don't know that I that I would kind of be reaching for him. One, one thing that's kind of funny, I was just looking at our draft results for last year in that ESPN league. Mm-hmm. Pasternak went 30th. Did I get him or someone else? Um, you got him. Yeah. 30th. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. I brought it up. <laughs> I think I, I think I won that league last year, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Please don't remind us. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take Zaka. I, I think 69 points is, <laughs> Nice. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. It's a lot. And I like what's his what's his career high in, in years prior? And I know like he was third or fourth line center before, but I just Yeah, it, he's never actually played center a whole lot. Like he was drafted as one, but on the Devils he played a lot of left wing. So this will be right. really interesting to see. Um I drafted Zaka late, so hopefully I the projections are spot on and I got a pretty decent player at a low pick, but I'm I'm skeptical of because I see a skill set and I don't see a playmaking number one center. I I would agree with that. But it, Tyler, his career high was last year with the Bruins: fifty-seven points, twenty-one goals in eighty-two games. What was his time on ice? Uh, also, 16, like sixteen oh four. He shot less than two a game. Like he had like one hundred and thirty something shots. Yeah. Uh, hold on. And see, our projection for Zaka was based on 18 and a half minutes time on ice, which 
I don't think is unreasonable if he's your top line center. Like there's really no other option. So for him to go from 16 to eight and a half or 18 and a half, that's for me, that's part of the equation. Um, cause it's him or Charlie Coyle. Yeah. With power play, right. For Zaka with power play. Yeah. So that's, that's why maybe it seems a bit high, but I don't know. I, I, to me, that's a guy that's going to go late. I don't know where he's being drafted right now, but I, I can guarantee it's late in the draft. Possibly not at all. Mm-hmm. I'll look that up here really quick. I think if you get him late, any and he gets anywhere close to those points, that's that's a win. I just have a hard time even considering taking guys. I'd I'd rather take swings later in the draft mm-hmm. yep. um, than than expecting somebody to do this that's never done it before. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, Nathan's back with another question here. Since we're talking about the Bruins. What do we project for them this year? How much of a regression do we see? Uh, Jason, I'll go to you again here. Are we going to see the Bruins make the playoffs? I'm going to say no. <laughs> um, I just think there's so many up-and-coming Atlantic Division teams. Granted, some of them are flawed. Like I like the Sabres, but they can't play defense still. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Sens. I don't know if DJ Smith is a good coach. I'm not convinced. <laughs> um, and I, I just think the Bruins are too thin. Uh, every single player that had a career year last year, and I'm talking about Omar and specifically, yeah. I think he's going to regress quite a bit. I don't think that defense is good. I think they have no depth. Anytime you have to count on James Van Rien's like for depth, you're in trouble. For sure. I, I'm going to... And Lucic. And Lucic as well. And, Lu- and Lucic, yeah. I, I'm going to say right now that Omar has a sub-920 save percentage next year. I think that's fair. I think that's reasonable. That is my... Maybe not so hot take. Uh, John, give me the thumbs up. All right, buddy. Bruce, are the Bruins going to make the the playoffs this year? In your opinion, I think they'll find a way to. I think they'll find a way to do it. They they always they always seem to find a way. It doesn't matter what what we say about them. They always seem to find a way. And I don't think it's going to change. <laughs> I'm going to mark that up to the. That's a Patrice Bergeron thing. But uh, I I'm not big on the Bruins this year. I'll be fading them yeah. for the most part. Uh, I mean, I, there I, are, sorry, there was a time when the Bruins were bad. So, yeah, I, um, I, I'm, I'm actually pretty bullish on Jake DeBrus this year. I think he can have a good season, mm-hmm. but, um, we'll see what happens. All right, let's, let's move on from the Bruins here. I want to talk about Joseph Wall. Um, I know, I think Jason, you and Michael talked about that too. Did you not in your sleepers and keepers episode? Uh, not yet. Okay. Well, let's, let's jump to it. I, can he be this year's Stuart Skinner? Uh, yes, but I'm hoping Joel Hofer is this year's Stuart Skinner because I drafted him. Um, I really like Ilya Samsonov. I actually think he's going to be a workhorse this year. Uh, but Wool, his sample size is tiny, but it is. it's been really, really good. Well, what was his record? It was not nine, nine, two and oh, and a 924 save percentage. Yeah, the 924 save percentage, I think, is key. And he's going to be playing behind a really great team, so he's going to get the wins as well. Um, I just think Samsonov last year was a bit of a, a sort of an adjustment for him because he's never had that kind of workload and I don't think he expected to because Matt Murray was there mm-hmm. um, but I do think he has the ability to be a workhorse I think I think Wool will play 20 30 games tops and the thing about Wool is he's not going super late in drafts anymore like a lot of people have sort of picked up on the possibility that he'll play um, even if it is just 30 games but I think he's going around 160 right now. And that's so, really high. Yeah. Like it's, I, I, I was talking to somebody about that recently he said, Oh, like I was hoping to get him later. And 
Uh, doesn't appear to be the case. The, the thing, too, with Ilya Samsonov, he's never played more than 44 games in a season, either due yeah. to injuries or inconsistent play. So is that a concern for you, Jason? Yeah, so, I mean, that's the risk. But I do think this is the the season he becomes a workhorse. I think okay. he has to be for, for the Leafs to be good. Okay, and Tyler, conversely, are you looking at Joseph Wool as maybe uh, you're talking about late, late round swings. Is that a guy you're looking at? Yeah, I think so. I Samsonov had a, a really good season last year. I just... I'm not convinced that he's going to do it again. Um, the Leafs need him to, though, uh, mm-hmm. for them to be to be where they want to be. Um, Joseph Wall low late late in uh, in a draft, I would absolutely take. Yeah, there's too many Leafs in these drafts. He's going way too high. Like Leafs fans, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about Devin Levi or Uka Pekka Lukanen in Buffalo this season. Uh, John, I'll go to you first, and then Bruce, I want your opinion on this one. Um, I like Devin Levi. Um, there's not a whole lot of sample size there. Um, I'm excited for the up-and-comers, but yeah. Um, goaltender in Buffalo has always been a difficult position, no matter who you are. Um, it's just been a tough team. Well, with the, with the way that team's been for the last however many years it's it's just been such a such a difficult place to play um so really trying to try to stream goalies from there is is tough um i'm excited for how this team's shaped up for for this year um there could definitely be some some surprises in there so i'm definitely excited for that all right uh bruce what do you think levi or upl i think to start the season it's going to be upl Levi is still waivers eligible. So I think you're going to see UPL and Comrie start the season for Buffalo. And then they're going to see how it goes. If it doesn't go well, then I think you'll see Levi come up, but uh, they're not going to put Comrie or UPL on waivers to start the, to start the season. So you won't see Levi Levi at the beginning of the season, but if it doesn't go well, you will see him at the end of the middle to end of the season, especially if they're in a push for the playoffs. So any chance, Bruce, you'd grab Devin Levi and try to stash him for later in the season, or are you just kind of, he's on your watch list, you'll, you'll circle back? I'm going to wait till someone, because right now I think his ADP is like in the 80s. So I'm, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait it out because someone's going to draft him and then they're going to lose patience with him because Buffalo is probably going to come out of the gate hot and do fairly well and they're going to drop him and then I can pick him up mid to late season when, <laughs> when they actually do bring him up and, and play him. Oh, that a boy. Uh, J- Jason, how are you approaching uh, the goaltending in Buffalo? Um, I'm going to avoid the two goalies. Just I mentioned it earlier because the Sabres defense scares me. Right. So I think I think the world of Levi, I think he's like Dustin Wolf, where he's just won everywhere he's gone. Um, the difference is that in Buffalo, you're counting on Rasmus Dahlin, who I think is more offense first. Uh, Matias Samuelson and then Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson to to be like your defensive stalwarts. Um, I I think of Carey Price when I think of Levi, but remember when Price came in, he had Markov, Hammerlick, Strite. Like he had a good veteran defense in front of him. Um, if I had to pick, I'd go Levi, but I'm with Bruce. I, I think based on the cap situation, Levi probably starts in the minors. Um, but in a, in a dynasty league, I'm going Levi, but in the redraft league, I'd, I'd rather just stay away. Okay. Fair. Uh, let's move on to Victor Hedman or Mikhail Sergachev. That's a tough situation based on the way things played out in Tampa at the end of last season and into the playoffs. 
So Tyler, I'll go to you first, and then I'll go to Jason, Victor Hedman, or, or Circuit Chef. Uh, it's tough. Um, Circuit Chef had a great end of the year. Hedman looked like he was slowing down a little bit. I think maybe with a little bit longer summer this year, uh, Hedman maybe has a little bit better season. But to me, I don't think there's there's quite the difference uh, or gap between the two that there was in the past. So it's kind of a toss-up for me. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I have Hedman slightly ahead of Sergachev, but I think that's more because of experience and seniority. Um, but you can't go wrong with either. Yeah, that, that seems to be the the public opinion right now too is it's still headman he's going about 20 spots higher on average right now um fools. it's interesting what's that bruce <laughs> i said fools fools yeah well <laughs> I, based on last year that's that's a fair opinion right i took Sergachev in every league i could last year in the the middle to late rounds and it paid off in spades and he won't <laughs> he won't be that low this year but when it comes to the end of the season it'll it'll be Sergachev over headman you heard it here first uh, let's talk about some more demon here. Eric Carlson and Chris Letang. What's your approach there, Jason? Like, is it just, we talked about this in a, in a past episode, but you know, so we kind of think it's probably just Eric Carlson on the power play and Chris Letang is going to get rested. Um, like he'll play lots of even strength, but they're just going to give Eric Carlson the power play time. What do you think? Yeah, agreed. I think Eric Carlson's the guy to pick. I think Chris Letang, this is probably the start of like a significant decline in his fantasy value. Uh, he's just been so good for so long that, I think their pens are going to save him, and I just don't see him getting that PP1 ice time. There was talk that maybe they would play together on PP1, but I, I think you should just go with Carlson and four forwards. I would agree. They've got enough personnel at, at the forward position that they can do that, and Eric Carlson's shown if he has the power play to himself. Mm-hmm. That's where he thrives. We don't need another Burns-Carlson experiment in Pittsburgh, especially when they're trying <laughs> to win a cup here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. <clears throat> and I think and we I had... Think- Sorry, I think that was one reason Carlson didn't want to go to the Canes as well. I think he was rumored to go there at one point, but right. he didn't want to play with Burns, so he's probably just going to get PP1 by himself. Been there, done that, no thanks. Yeah. Uh, we had Carlson, I think, what was it 16 goals, guys, and 77 points? So- somewhere in that range. Like, Does that seem realistic, Jason? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went higher than that, though. Okay. Um. Who's the most likely to break out this season out of Alex Lafreniere, Alexis Lafreniere, uh, Philip Hedel, or Capocacco? I would argue that Hedel broke out last year. Um, okay. I thought he was really good. I'm a big Capocacco fan. I think this is the season where he really goes north of 20 goals. Um, he plays well, just got a little snake bit last year. He needs to shoot the puck more. Um, the interesting thing about Lafreniere is he actually has more value in banger leagues, in my opinion. Um sneaky like 100 120 plus hits every season and if you can score 20 goals that's a nice little banger league mid round late round draft pick for you but overall i like kako to break out the the most to score the point most points music to my ears because i've got him in dynasty so thank you sir (laughs) nice (laughs) um okay is is this the year that nick ehlers finally breaks out tyler (laughs) i'm gonna ask you this question first because i know you have you and I have gone back and forth on Ehlers. I've tried to trade him to you and vice versa. And and so is this year it finally happens for him in Winnipeg? I don't know. I give up. I give up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, th- I think just based on the players they have there right now and, and the opportunity that he's going to have, I think so. But 
I mean, I've kind of given up on okay. that player. So <laughs> if he has, he has uh, to now or it doesn't happen. But he, yeah, I, I agree, John. Tyler sounds like a veteran fantasy hockey player. Oh, <laughs> I am. I am. Um, Bruce, 37 goals and 79 points. Do you like the over-under on, on Ehlers this year? If he can stay healthy, absolutely he can do that. But for me, the concern for Ehlers isn't talent, it's health. Like The couple of years I've drafted him, he spent half the season on the shelf with an injury. <laughs> so that's more my concern with Ehlers than anything is just health. I think the rate stats all look great, whether it's, you know, individual course C4 and, and points per 60 and all these kinds of like, he looks great. It's just, it's the, the deployment for me. If he can finally get some actual deployment at even strength and on the power play, I think he can do it. So Jason, what do you think? Yeah, it's not really health for me or his talent. It's Rick bonus <laughs> for whatever reason, <laughs> this guy just refuses to play him. I can't think of a single reason why they wouldn't. And it's, it's just not Rick Bonus too. I think uh, previously Paul Maurice, there are times where he didn't play Ehlers that much. So I, I don't know why that is, but if he can get even close to like 18, 19 minutes a game, I, I think he could do really well. But for some reason, he just never quite gets there. Okay. Um, we're kind of coming up to the end of the, the segment or the, the spot here, guys. We had about two minutes left. So... Um, I'm just really quickly. We had a couple of the questions here. Maybe give us a couple D-man sleeper picks for hits and blocks. Anyone in mind? Uh, from my end, yeah. Um, well, considering the news about Montour and uh, Ekblad, I actually think Gustav Forsling is a sneaky multi-category beast. Like that guy um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, blocks. Yeah. And hits is kind of tough. Uh, I think Luke Shen still has some fantasy value. A guy like him. Um, let me just think here. What about Carson um, Susie? I don't think he's going to get that much play time. And I think you can find someone better. But he could be valuable. Um, what about OEL? Any interest in that guy with those injuries to Ekblad and Montour? At least no. to start the year? No I interest? Not really. Yeah. Um, Keandre Miller, maybe. That's a good one. Uh, yeah. I, yeah I, not, Mac Weger is always good for this. Uh, Jared Spurgeon's always good for this as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mike right, Matheson's there. Owen Power. Owen Power is another one. I'd be interested to see what he does in season two. Perfect. Okay. Well, we're we're up against it here. We got about thirty seconds. Um, Jason, take a take a minute here just to plug your show and and where uh, our listeners can find you. Awesome. Uh, you can find me on Twitter slash X at Jason Chen 16. Uh, my podcast sleepers and keepers on the hockey news fantasy uh, hockey news podcast network with Michael Maro drops every Monday. Um, thank you guys for having me on your show. It was really great. It was really fun to take part in your first ever episode cast. Yeah. Thank awesome. Thanks Jason. Really appreciate you being here. Um, Bruce, Tyler, John. Thanks as always. Um, if you want to find us on Twitter X, it's at FH hacks. And uh, be sure to subscribe again to the YouTube channel. We'll see you guys next week. Take care.